0: convincing story that maps onto reality and that's why the central narrative is falling apart right now in the United States people should not be walking around with must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is you are American while elections are sometimes messy this was a secure election The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance and it's up to us to finish the job I tell you what we are in a truth emergency right now this is the end game. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. This is an essay from the Substack entitled A Story About Reality. We tell ourselves stories in order to live. The princess is caged in the consulate. The man with the candy will lead the children into the sea. The naked woman on the ledge outside the window on the 16th floor is a victim of Axidae. Or the naked woman is an exhibitionist and it would be interesting to know which. We tell ourselves that it makes some difference whether the naked woman is about to commit a mortal sin or is about to register a political protest or is about to be, in the Aristophanic view, snatched back to the human condition by the fireman in priest's clothing, just visible in the window behind her, the one smiling at the telephoto lens. We look for the sermon in The Suicide, for the social or moral lesson in The Murder of Five. We interpret what we see, select the most workable of the multiple choices. We live entirely, especially if we are writers, by the imposition of a narrative line upon disparate images, by the ideas with which we learn to freeze the shifting phantasmagoria which is our actual experience. Joan Didion, The White Album. The news is understood to be the official story about reality, told honestly, as it happens in real time. We believe in breaking news. We believe in going live to the devastation. We believe in gravitas and goodwill. We believe in serious voices, especially those with accents. We believe what we're seeing is probably important, and that's why they're showing it to us. We believe the job of the news is to tell us about the most important aspects of our lives— because we don't have the time to understand these things for ourselves. We are told the news is biased toward the truth, and we call that objectivity. We treat objectivity as an unreachable goal that is nonetheless worth striving for, or hinting at, or at least talking about sometimes. Because objectivity is unreachable, we have stopped demanding it from the news. We now correctly perceive all media as biased in some way. But we stop at the left right democrat republican biases. We rarely calculate the effects of bias due to political influence or the agendas of media magnets, except in so far as they relate to the left right democrat republican bias. We assume that what we're seeing or reading is a picture of reality. We base our points of debate on perceived differences in our perspectives in the way we view reality. We are shown. Through dramatized bickering on television news shows, that our most significant differences are superficial, assuming we all want the same things. If we are good people, that is. Varying reinterpretations of reality on the news disputed the necessity of vaccine mandates, but agreed that we shouldn't worry about the legality of mandates or the need to preserve our human rights. The news agreed that, regardless, the vaccine was very safe and effective. In each varying reinterpretation of reality presented by the news, the one constant is the safety and efficacy of the vaccine, despite the overwhelming empirical evidence that the vaccine is neither safe nor effective. Every story about reality premised on this false claim works to construct one's own false reality. In the false reality, very good people accepted that mandates might be legal somehow, even though they're not. They accepted that regardless of legality, the moral question, I mean scientific question, of the mandate's necessity should override the rights of dissenters. They accepted that believing the science meant saying things like, if it saves just one life, it is worth it just before closing Instagram rather than examining scientific material and listening to a wide range of experts before making a life-changing decision with safety and effectiveness taken as a given and the legal and moral arguments tossed aside in favor of the science, all that's left is an unsophisticated and superficial argument about the extent of one's authoritarianism. In reality, the vaccines are neither safe nor effective. They destroy human immune systems and lead to far worse outcomes across the board. They do not save lives, and they have not. Their acceptance did not restore the freedom stripped from the people. In the false reality, very good people are debating whether these same vaccines should be required for infants. It will give them a lifetime of protection, says the news. In the false reality, parents brag on Instagram about protecting their children when their children come down with myocarditis parents are still grateful that the child's case of covid wasn't worse thanks to the vaccine it did not prevent their child from getting covid and it produced a life-threatening heart condition but it must have helped somehow in reality children do not need protection from a disease that cannot harm them and has not otherwise healthy children do not die from covid in reality In reality, children are dying as a direct result of their parents' thoughtlessness and neglect. Historians will not make a distinction between ancient societies sacrificing children to a false god and our modern society sacrificing children to the science, as told to them by the news, received through a series of screens, dumbed down enough for anyone to understand it. There is no distinction to be made. The news argued that if children died, it was for the good of everyone. People agreed without knowing whether or not the vaccine was good for anyone. The experts said it was necessary. With children's well-being on the line, parents and clinicians did as they were told, often to the applause of people who were childless and planned to remain so. The experts also advised childlessness. If that doesn't indicate an affinity for false idols, What else could the affinity itself is based on the acceptance of a false reality. Our understanding is that the news underneath bias and perspective is still the official story of reality. This is wrong. It is a reality show designed to create an entirely secondary reality where people become completely disconnected from anything true. Every time the real world breaks the spell, a comforting story is provided to explain it away. More thoughtful, more skeptical people require ever more complicated reinterpretations of reality before they find the story comforting. The propaganda and censorship regime exists to provide a panoply of messages and stories about reality able to comfort anyone in never-ending supply. When the real and staggering number of vaccine side effects and deaths are eventually forced into the false reality, the news calls them conspiracy theories while providing no evidence as to why those who accept the false reality understand that whatever happens, they are not allowed to believe that thing or else they will be seen as on the other side to people like them. As empirical evidence from reality breaks the official story down further, the news explains that the problematic numbers are actually very small compared to the whole, and the whole is what you must prioritize unless you're one of them. Eventually, the news will change stories entirely with new studies to prove the uncomfortable reality never happened. Once the new story is accepted, you cannot challenge it and cannot remind people of the reality we all experienced, unless you're one of them. In ten years, people in the false reality will explain their children's destroyed childhoods, maimed bodies, and inability to create grandchildren by saying, We didn't know. We did the best we could. It wasn't our fault. No one knew. But we know. Versions of this memory holding have been happening for decades for every important event in reality. Baby boomers still don't know who killed their president, but they accept the story told to them by the same people who prevent them from viewing the evidence while knowing these people manipulated and lied about the evidence. This is the case for all younger generations as well about each one of the most significant societal events occurring throughout our lives. The ever-present opportunity to escape from empirical reality to the false reality of one's choosing has been so successful that millions of people in this country spend their entire lives obsessed with various forms of entertainment that constantly reinforce and build on the reinterpretations of reality, allowing them infinite exits from whichever parts of reality they'd prefer to avoid. This is also now how they choose their friendships most of which exist only online. When we engage with the false reality, to whatever degree we do, we become more atomized, more socially distanced from one another. We switch from finding meaning in our interpersonal relationships to finding meaning in sports or film or music or social media. Being entertained allows us to escape reality while denying we have done so. Our enjoyment of being entertained becomes a justification for an insatiable desire to be constantly entertained, to constantly escape. We do this primarily through apps that make us feel our deepest needs are always about to come true. We do this while understanding these apps are designed to create more of the same needs we are using them to satisfy. We tell ourselves we are entertained. Corporate CEOs refer to us as high volume users as they plot ways to make their products more addictive, more all encompassing. They claim they are creating a better tomorrow for everyone. It will happen as soon as you give them ample power. Society has arrived at the point where people long to be famous just so other people will think about them. Their fans and followers will always love them, they think even as their real-world relationships are superficial and falling apart, creating drama. To avoid the drama, they will distance themselves in their real-world relationships and try to further bond with strangers online. The love and adoration of strangers, or relative strangers, is validating because it's easy to imagine fans and followers see the true good in us, the real us, the people we wish we were. We imagine these strangers who view our content are able to see what so many of the people close to us fail to see. What good are a handful of honest and caring friends and family members compared to six million followers, especially when followers can be monetized? As more people accept a new part of the false reality, a new official story. The intensity of the blowback and censorship increases on anyone so bold as to deny the absolute and immediate truth of the constantly self renewing official story. Our culture is saturated in the central narrative. It's impossible to avoid in reality because we all have the same screens and we all hear the latest slogans. It is a critical misconception in the false reality that we on the other side don't know everything about what those addicted to the central narrative believe. But what they believe is not complicated to understand. Indeed, the simplicity is why they all believe it. It's why those addicted to the central narrative can never truly make sense of anything. The story about reality doesn't have to make sense in the false reality. It only has to be accepted by other people like us, you know, smart people. Agreement with smart people is its own justification and can be applied to any belief. The most important things in life are hard to understand, you see, and who has time for that? Agreeing immediately is the smartest choice because it saves time, allowing us to return to focusing on ourselves. Ukrainian biolabs are conspiracy and Tinder is real. It's not safe to date in person, but FaceTime is real. You don't want to be seen right now. And text messages are more efficient and just as real. If you're good at texting, if one screen makes us feel the wrong way, we turn to another screen, another app. Each little addiction to technology is an exit sign, and every small discomfort is a message that it's time to leave. There are exit messages everywhere. We exit to the false reality to remain in an acceptable mental and emotional state. If the technology fails and the focus on the false reality begins to wane, there are drugs to convince you the technology did not fail. Try the technology on whiskey. Try the technology on LSD. Try the technology on Zoloft. Try the technology on Xanax. Try the technology on street-grade methamphetamine. Try the technology on imported Afghanistan opium produced by Americans you already paid for it. Try the technology on imported Chinese fentanyl. See, it's working again. After a lifetime inundated with the false reality from children's entertainment to modern education, to corporate life, to the fracturing of our families and deepest bonds, the central narrative has penetrated every facet of our lives of reality. As a result, all but the most aware of us believe at least some of the central narrative or understand why we did if we used to. The goal of the truth community is to strip away as many layers of the central narrative as possible, exposing everything false. There is no guarantee this is even possible, but drawing ever closer to truth and acting in accordance with truth is a worthy human endeavor in itself. Acknowledging the degree to which we are all so deceived over the years about so many important things makes us humble. None of us believe we have all the answers. Those who are still asleep to the harsh realities of our world believe as they do because they believe that good people, people like them, believe all the same things. Having considered the critical facts for themselves, all arriving at the same correct conclusion. But people like them don't actually consider the facts for themselves. They don't think about greater meaning. They find ways to deny what they choose to avoid. They don't find any issue interesting or important enough to take the time. They choose the most comfortable interpretation of reality. When reality bothers them into action, people like them will search for the nearest debunking or fact check. People like them feel empowered. Once a stranger on their side claims to have checked, then it's back to dancing like a six year old for TikTok. People like them dismiss true stories about reality simply because they are trained to believe the stories of the other side are wrong and must be evil. People like them do this regardless of the issue's importance. It's just not that important to people like them. People like them have spent the last two years as an active participant in the two most important concurrent crises in the history of this country. People like them have not yet considered they might be wrong in any important way. And why should they? As they've been the least affected by the harsh reality, this indignity many of us suffer through in the false reality where compliance is prized above all else people like them enjoy being consistently rewarded simply for playing along. The news is there to tell them that the false reality that exists only in their minds has once again been confirmed in empirical reality. The false reality must only correspond to empirical reality enough to be believed when set in opposition to the beliefs of the other side. When gaps form, The news steps in to soothe disbelief until the reinterpretation of reality becomes comfortable once again and the gaps go ignored. The idea that the news is a story about what's happening in real time is mistaken. The news is primarily a story about the past and the future designed to keep people from observing reality in the present. In reality, the idea that lockdowns are harmful and do not work was known from day one. In the false reality, it took two years to figure out. The story's aim is to confuse. People like them have become unmoored from empirical reality's proper place and meaning. They will not trust their own experiences or observations or emotions if someone who people like them look up to says people like them believe otherwise. People like them concern themselves with constantly reconfirming that they do indeed believe the right things about reality in correspondence with people like them. Their own experiences and observations and emotions will be ignored in favor of the claims of an authoritative source. Those most reliant on having reality reinterpreted for them grow ever easier to convince of the next official story. At the same time, as information spreads among those engaged with reality, those in the process of engaging with reality become ever more skeptical of the official story. Eventually, they begin to doubt the entirety of the central narrative. The spell wears off and the exit messages lose their ability to distract. The technology fails. Soon, the process of engaging with reality becomes infinitely more fascinating than the official story. The central narrative becomes powerless. At this point, we begin to discover what we have missed. Papering over the empirical past through clever reinterpretation is the purpose of the central narrative. Propaganda and censorship work in tandem to convince the population that the central narrative is true and always was true except for a few very rare, very honest mistakes by people like them. The past isn't how anyone remembers experiencing it. The future will be interpreted in a certain way when empirical events finally arise in the awareness of people like them. The past is reinterpreted and the future interpretation is preset in its proper place. The central narrative frames a future false reality that people like them will accept when the proper event in empirical reality arises. We may need a second booster to provide the best possible protection. Putin will invade Ukraine because he's a butcher who wants to revive the old Soviet Union. Trump will look like he's winning by a large margin on election night, but then all of the mail-in votes will come in which is totally normal and should be expected. It's how it's always worked. When, for example, people like them begin hearing on the news that maybe Joe Biden didn't win, they will assume they're probably among the first people to reach this new conclusion among other people like them. Everyone on the other side can still be hated and scorned for a new reason. At minimum, the other side is causing division. This division is why people like them feel so bad all the time. People like them are resigned to believe the only thing that dictates one's human moral worth is one's commitment to repeating enough of the slogans people like them must repeat. They repeat the slogans when necessary so as not to be rejected by people better than them, to remain in the party of false decorum to ensure that people better than them will not stop allowing people like them to be relatively comfortable. The news only connects to empirical reality when events in reality can no longer be denied or avoided. If we, the people did not discover that the vaccines do not prevent infection or transmission, would the news have told us the answer obviously is no. When reality broke through the central narrative bubble, the official story changed. The vaccine does not prevent transmission or infection, but it does prevent serious illness and death. When that false reality fades and people understand that in reality, the vaccine causes serious illness and death. The news shows us a war in Ukraine or Taiwan, or we see actors assault comedians during an infomercial sponsored by Pfizer to highlight the indignity of alopecia, just as Pfizer's new alopecia drug hits the market. Alopecia is, by the way, an autoimmune disorder. They're not curing temporary baldness. The news is not this way by accident. It exists to keep people trapped in the false reality. The only true thing the news will communicate is what those creating the news want people like them to believe. About that, they are entirely honest. If the official story corresponded to empirical reality, the circus act would be unnecessary. People engaged in reality understand that the official story is a lie in one way or many ways, always. To understand where the official story's weak spots are, pay attention to the level of shock and emotion the news injects into its stories. The level of shock and emotion indicates the degree to which we, the people, must be harmed by people like them for denying the truth of the latest official story in the presence of people like them or people better than them. People like them reliably prefer to profess firm belief in infinite empirical falsehoods than to accept that the other side was right about anything. Stormy Daniels and Michael Avenatti were on television 24 7 precisely because the official story about Daniels' sordid affair with Trump was not true. Avenatti is now in prison as a convicted fraud and extortionist, and Stormy Daniels owes President Trump over half a million dollars. The news has also gone for full emotional torment on Russian collusion, the Mueller investigation, two spurious impeachments. COVID, George Floyd and BLM Antifa riots, Hunter Biden's laptop, January 6th, vaccines, hashtag stand with Ukraine, and above all, the obviously stolen 2020 election. They've gone all in on QAnon as well. One would think with all the coverage of QAnon, all the scapegoating and the othering, the news would have addressed the substance of the phenomenon, but they did not. The news invented a non-existent belief system based on a series of events in empirical reality that cannot be real or must be ignored in the false reality by people like them. The news attributed the belief in QAnon to all of those engaged with reality. The news conducts a propaganda campaign in opposition to those engaged with reality. The goal is to direct emotional and psychological harm toward everyone who questions the official story, anyone who speaks against the central narrative. It is a hate movement. Everything bad is QAnon, and QAnon is the cause of everything bad. The number of objectively true, impeccably sourced facts about reality, now deemed QAnon, is growing. As more people wake up to reality and their beliefs must be deemed QAnon, the number of people called QAnon increases. This is an ever-increasing number of targets for hate. People like them use their entirely unwarranted power to gleefully cancel us, censor us, bully us, shame us, and try to get us fired from our jobs. They do this while people better than them threaten to do the same to people like them. The news consistently shows people like them why the other side doesn't deserve to be part of society based on differences of opinion on a topic about which people like them admittedly know virtually nothing. People like them proudly announce ways the lives of those on the other side should be destroyed for denying the official story. They clap along when lives are destroyed. Either the destroyed probably deserved it because they are on the other side, or it was an unfortunate mistake by actually well-intentioned people. It is, in every way, a hate movement. People like them don't see it because they are trained to believe that no matter what they do or say, people like them are the truly good people, with rare and unfortunate exceptions. This is why people better than them are trying to remake the world in their image. It'll be better for people like them if people better than them run everything. At least that's what the news tells them. And if you don't believe the news, you're a QAnon. According to the official story, Vladimir Putin is literally Hitler. While people like them publicly support and enact everything Nazis literally did. Censorship segregation, propaganda, medical experimentation, global domination, socialism, I mean communism, eugenics, and a quest for a higher form of human likely do not exhaust the clear and accurate comparisons. People like them are the good people because the news says so. Therefore, those on the other side remain the actual Nazis, relatively speaking because people like them can't be the actual Nazis. This holds true even while people like them justify continuing support for actual Nazis in Ukraine, apparently. Supporting Nazis in Ukraine is just the latest example of a broad range of viewpoints people like them share with Nazis. Hearing this, people like them will recoil and begin to search for ways they can claim, for instance, that medical experimentation in violation of the Nuremberg Code is nothing like what the Nazis did because of this or that minor detail, because this time it's necessary, but only this time and because it's necessary, according to people better than them. The news has created a hate movement targeted at anyone who threatens the population wide acceptance of the central narrative. The information war being waged across the world against people who will defend human freedom is nothing less than a secular religious war. People like them who are asleep to reality and lack true faith in anything have been made combatants for a cause. They rarely even attempt to understand. The only knowledge people like them possess was received from people better than them. Nearly all this knowledge was accepted, even though it directly contradicts their own experiences, observations and emotions for people like them. Agreeing to participate in the central narrative is much easier than admitting they've spent their lives being wrong about much of what truly matters. It's important to stay comfortable. No matter what, the people who threaten the full acceptance of the false reality are the problem. These secular jihadists believe the only way to know the truth about anything is through the science. If there is something the science doesn't know or doesn't want people like them to know, the news tells them it's okay to leave a blank. If the science doesn't know it, it is unknowable. If the science chooses not to tell people like them the answer to some question, it's because the science isn't there yet or the science is in dispute. The news still occasionally tells us that the science says COVID may have had a natural origin. People like them can still feel smart because there are at least some people better than them who said it too. When the only way to know anything is to have received knowledge from an authoritative source, this is worship of the authoritative source. This is secular religion practiced by people who lack true faith in anything. This is not an insult. It is a sad statement about reality. That is why we care about these people waking up no one should be fighting a religious war justified by a hate movement to protect a cause they know virtually nothing about and about which they profess that ultimately they don't really care. What do we pretend they are doing when they profess their scientific belief that the world would be better off if there were fewer people on the other side? If there were no science deniers, then the authoritative source could fix everything and the sun would stop attacking the earth. Those who follow the science would then finally live in peace and harmony. Some would live forever. For those who don't, heaven, which can only exist on earth, is a world without the other side where pain and death are promised, compliance is rewarded, and people like them hope to simply enjoy their time and not be bothered. What does it mean when the authoritative source says more late-term aborted fetal tissue is needed and the science will help people become more like the people better than them if they provide it? What does it mean when those hoping to fix things simply by spreading information about important truths are deemed the enemy? by those cheering on ways to increase the suffering of the other side until the other side finally relents or dies. What does it mean when those literally using the scientific method to discern truth are deemed the enemy by those who receive the science from the news, approved of by the authoritative source? Must we believe science and religion are enemies? Worshippers of the authoritative source will eventually make faith their enemy. I have yet to meet a believer in a truth far beyond everything knowable, who thinks that true scientific discovery isn't a worthy endeavor. Faithfully doing good for its own sake in scientific discovery can be rightfully honored. Perhaps grafting late-term aborted fetal tissue to mice for the sake of the science should not be. Does the issue not at least warrant a discussion? The news is the voice of the authoritative source, the author of everything. When the news reports on the science, we must trust the science. The science is official because it comes from the authoritative source. The news gives us the official story about reality told for the benefit of worshipers of the authoritative source. The news reinterprets the past and attempts to condition people to a future no one wants. The news is a false story about reality, told by society's most powerful, and nothing more. It exists to convince people of a provably false, faith-free reality that rewards us a heaven which can only exist on earth if we promise to always play along, and includes only the benefit of a relatively minor amount of suffering for a relatively short amount of time, a goal worshippers of the authoritative source don't even care to achieve. The news is the official story insofar as it benefits an office of the authoritative source. It reinterprets the past and conditions people to a future they otherwise would not want. This has happened throughout history. Even many worshipers of the authoritative source have read Orwell. Rather than understanding the book, worshipers of the authoritative source created complicated ways of explaining how Orwell was actually talking about what the other side must want in the future someday by virtue of the other side being stupid and evil, relatively speaking. Truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. The news is nothing more than a story about reality, among other stories about reality. Religious beliefs are stories about reality as well, ostensibly about the highest truths. In terms of illuminating higher truths, religions stick around far longer than any official story. Religious beliefs endure for millennia. While the official story is often changed or denied in a matter of hours or days, religious beliefs endure because they consistently map onto people's experience of reality and illuminate higher truths, including in the existence of a highest truth in a reality beyond that which they claim to know. There is humility that comes with this admission, not conspiracy, not violence, not evil. The news as a story about reality is a terrible one. It consistently fails to map onto empirical reality for virtually anyone. A story about reality must reasonably match the empirical reality in order to be convincing. If a map of reality repeatedly leads its followers to faraway dead ends, it is not a map of reality and it should not be followed. Worshippers of the authoritative source have been abandoned intentionally by those who drew their maps because people like them declined to draw their own. To feel back on track, they do as they're told when the authoritative source asks them to sacrifice a bit of themselves for the benefit of the global community. The authoritative source defines the global community. The news tells us what the global community wants, what it needs from people like them. There is only one truly moral thing for people like them, and that is to do whatever the authoritative source tells them to do. Trusting that the authoritative source is correct and true and working for the benefit of people like them is in every way an act of faith in something for which there is virtually no evidence. Counter-evidence is dismissed as heresy. People like them pretend to do good for the good of everyone. They do this without being able to prove what people like them are doing is actually for the good of anyone. They are doing good for the good of everyone because the authoritative source tells them so. The news is a false story about reality told for the benefit of intentionally obscured higher powers and agendas telling its audience only what the authoritative source wants the audience to believe in the face of a contradicting empirical reality. There is only the true reality knowable only through the path toward higher truth sought for its own sake. All knowledge is a story about reality. The story is true insofar as it maps onto the underlying realities, empirical, emotional, or spiritual. When a story about reality, properly and sincerely understood, fails to map onto reality, the story should be abandoned. The number of falsehoods we allow the story before abandoning it reflects our faith in the underlying story. Stories that consistently map onto reality stand the test of time and higher truths can be built on their foundation. What does it say then that the truth community of which people who follow Q are part continues to grow as people begin to engage with reality? While for instance, the moral panic over Trump stealing mailboxes to prevent mail-in voting was forgotten about in days. Was the story false? Yes, but it felt true to people like them. It could have been true. Regardless, it was necessary to accept the possibility it was true. The news now says it doesn't matter if the mailbox thing was true or not. It was right to believe it at the time. The mailbox thing doesn't matter now. It's in the past. If we were wrong, at least it was for the right reasons. Trump was trying to steal the election by manipulating mail-in ballots and we stopped him. We won. Q posts are potential fragments of a story about reality. They represent information about reality among other information about reality. The information maps onto reality in some way, or it does not. If it does not, is the information truly understood if the information is truly understood how long is information derived from q allowed to fail to map onto reality before q is abandoned this choice is an act of faith but not in q the act of faith is the trust in a more encompassing higher truth about reality to which q must map If Q reliably helps to fill in the details of a mental map of reality, then it can be used to facilitate the understanding of higher truths. Maps are not only useful in getting where you're going, they show you where you have been. If you cannot know where you're going and you cannot track where you've been, you do not know where you are. The Q community uses Q posts as reference points from which to draw meaning from events in the world that affect their lives. This is no different, in a practical sense, than the way religious people use Scripture. People search for connections between the words of Scripture and the events of their lives. Does a connection exist? If one does, perhaps the event has a higher meaning. If an event doesn't connect with those words of Scripture, could it connect with other words? Using cue posts as reference points from which to draw meaning from events in the real world is not stupid and cannot be, because the posts describe events in the real world and leave the meaning open to interpretation. Cue posts lead primarily to world events about which the news has blatantly lied. Pursuing the truth of these events is necessary to understanding their meaning which is necessary for moral decision-making on an individual level, which is reflected on a societal level. On an individual level, this is free, independent thought. On a societal level, it is democracy. At base, the use of reference points is simply pattern-seeking, a valuable evolutionary instinct. A tiger is nearby. That's information. A tiger can kill you, is a reference point that allows you to draw meaning from the tiger nearby. Your life could be in danger. The tiger is caged. That's additional information. Caged tigers are almost never a threat to humans, is a reference point. How does this situation change if the news tells you that the science has changed and tigers can no longer kill you? How does the situation change if you're a subject in the deadly tiger study? What if the tiger is a genetically altered mosquito? Finding deeper truths in the interconnectivity of the world allows us to draw a more cohesive map of reality, which allows us to consider meaning. Finding higher meaning draws us closer to what truly matters to us. This is where our moral decision-making comes from. Our lives were not meant to be seen as a series of distinct events, the set of data about us. When we allow our lives to become data sets among many other data sets, disparate and without meaning, we subject ourselves to the rule of what is good for everyone as told to us by people better than us, because people better than us have access to all the data. We are given some data occasionally, but with it comes the prescribed acceptable meanings according to the authoritative source. The news compiles and filters the data and prescribed acceptable meanings, composing the official story. Perpetually accepting the official story strips events of their meaning. Without the search for meaning, there is no morality, no humanity. The official story is, at all times, a distortion of meaning, even when the data coincides with empirical reality. Stories about reality have facilitated our understanding of higher truths since the dawn of humanity. Stories that map onto reality are extremely useful, and they are told over the course of generations because they constitute the most important lessons of those who came before us science, history, religion, philosophy, art, and one's own experience of reality are all stories about reality that can facilitate understanding of higher truths. The stories are true in so far as they are convincing. The stories are convincing because they map onto a broader understanding of reality. They fit within a higher and broader understanding of what is true. No one in the truth community claims that any human will ever reach a perfect understanding of everything. The belief in the possibility of a perfect human understanding of everything is longed for by worshipers of the authoritative source. They long for a perfect understanding because nothing makes sense to them anymore. Everything is a lie. They would rather eat crickets and hope to merge with machines than admit that people not like them were right about everything. The central narrative is the only story about reality that matters to worshipers of the authoritative source. And the news is how people like them confirm that they are still aligned with what the authoritative source requires. Very smart people in the false reality understand people like them are too busy to figure out all the important things. The news is there to gather the critical facts and draw the one true map of reality for them, informed by the science. Life is made better by living in accordance with what the authoritative source requires. For a time, American life became ever more comfortable for a great many people. It still is, according to the news. The system works. The news gives us data to explain how some things might be working while other things might not be. The news tells us what our smartest path forward should be to finally get everything working perfectly once and for all. And when has the news ever failed us? The news is understood by some to be the official story about reality, told honestly, as it happens in real time, the official story should be accepted because it is handed down from the authoritative source. Because the authoritative source cannot be expected to be perfect, the official story is always subject to change in whatever way the authoritative source decides. The official story is only a story among other stories, information among other information. Because the news tells a story about reality that consistently fails to map onto reality, the news should be abandoned. Instead, the authoritative source demands we abandon our map of reality. Q is not a story about reality. Q is information. People have taken information from Q and incorporated it into their broader mental map of reality. Because people start with necessarily different maps of reality and interpret new information based on their own maps, the stories they construct about reality will vary in different ways. There is nothing unusual about this. It is far more unusual for billions of people to force themselves to agree with all elements of the central narrative when the authoritative source commands them. People engaged with reality do not discriminate in the sources of information about reality. They will follow whichever information maps onto reality if the information facilitates their understanding of higher truths. Some people attempt to do this with astrology or tarot. Others use meditation or ayahuasca. Some use cue posts. Why has one source of information about reality been designated too dangerous to allow people who draw information from Q posts do not believe Q is the complete source of information about reality. It is only one among many people who follow Q posts do not ever see Q posts as the highest truth. Q information is, or is not a fragment of truth about reality. It maps on to reality or it does not. It facilitates the pursuit of a higher truth or it does not. The extent to which Q is incorporated into one's story about reality is one's own choice and, ultimately, an act of faith. My research and my thinking have brought me to conclusions I share with many people in the Q community and the broader truth community. I am told I should reject these conclusions because very bad people have arrived at the same conclusions. I should abandon my own map of reality and accept the official story of the authoritative source as told by the news. I should do this to impress people better than me. I should do it to be accepted. I should do it because if I don't, I must be removed from the party of false decorum. Because the range of beliefs in the Q community and the broader truth community is infinite. I have agreements and disagreements with all of them, most likely. We disagree because I'm me and they're them. This used to be how normal people interacted. I'm not committed to their set of beliefs any more than they are committed to mine. Should we not try to understand each other? No one is required to believe Q. The goal is to convince people to abandon the central narrative and engage with reality to wake up because the central narrative is a lie because the lie is hurting everyone, including those still sleeping. Any reasonable person would conclude that believing the news is a certain path to being consistently objectively wrong about every important event in society. This is not a bug in the news. It is a feature. The news is wrong on purpose because the goal is to mislead. It is often said that Q should be disregarded because it is obviously a psychological operation, a PSYOP. I don't dispute that it may well be and likely is a PSYOP. The questions that must be then asked are, what is the goal of the PSYOP? who is conducting the PSYOP. It has been suggested that Q is a PSYOP conducted by some aspect of the one world global communist order with the goal of subduing the patriotic truth movement by convincing them that help is on the way when it is not pacifying them. If that's true, the PSYOP has backfired. The patriotic truth movement is growing massively by the day, people have become active in their communities across the country, trying to right the ship in any way they can. People are learning the darkest truths this world has to offer and for the first time deciding not to look away from them. The very wise supporters of the operation trust theory contend that tens of millions of people, taking up arms and taking over governments through violent revolution is a better path forward as if that opportunity does not still exist in the future. If things come to that, the point is to right the ship, not destroy the world for many generations because impatient people think their frustration should be soothed with open combat. If subduing the patriotic truth movement was the goal of the Q PSYOP on behalf of the global communist order, the PSYOP has been a spectacular failure. On the other hand, if Q is a PSYOP run for a reason other than undermining patriotic Americans, it would seem to have been very effective. The population is becoming more patriotic, more informed, more discerning, more active, more connected, more spiritual, and more focused on higher truths, higher causes, and higher powers. It should not be overlooked that the QAnon boogeyman narrative delivered by the news is most definitely a PSYOP with clear goals and a clear target audience. The boogeyman serves as a scapegoat and a scarecrow, The negative societal impacts created by the QAnon boogeyman narrative are severe. As long as the boogeyman remains convincing to some, the PSYOP continues. Those in the hate movement it spawned grow more desperate and dangerous, even as the movement itself shrinks in size and withers away. The case that the news is actually the malicious PSYOP and not Q is supported by the real historic existence of Operation Mockingbird and the fact that numerous former military intel and law enforcement officials remain regulars on cable news shows, despite years of making provably false claims about empirical reality. In truth, it doesn't matter at all whether Q was a PSYOP nor who conducted the PSYOP. The result in the real world is the same either way. The Q community and the broader truth community have changed the information stream permanently and seized the power to control the narrative away from the news. It will not be given back. Q posts are only information among other information. The puzzle pieces that create a perfect map of reality are infinite in number. We will never access enough pieces to complete the entire puzzle but we can still figure out which ones may fit together. We must do this to survive. Humans have from the beginning. Was Q a senseless jumble of codes and tricks and catchphrases as we're led to believe? It does not matter at all. The number of puzzle pieces added to the map of reality by the Q community and the broader truth community grows at a staggering pace. The information is analyzed by sophisticated, intelligent, faithful, and dedicated people. The work these communities produce has proven useful consistently to a great and ever-expanding number of people. It is, at all times, more useful than the news because the community strives to never be misleading. The news not only misleads its audience about events in the world, it misleads about the meaning of events in the lives of its audience. The news misleads its audience about themselves and about other people. The news teaches people to hate. The news does all of this on purpose for the benefit of the world's most powerful people and institutions. When people say the news is the enemy of the people, this is what they mean. The news intentionally convinces people to compromise themselves, their relationships and their values. There is evil in this world. It is all around us. We can no longer afford to deny it. No less than the future of human freedom is at stake. Terrorism, biological warfare, psychological warfare, drug trafficking, human trafficking, child sex trafficking, spying tracking, modern slavery, active concentration camps, intentional medical malpractice, mass censorship and propaganda, false flags, wars of choice and convenience, child torture and sexual abuse, ritual worship of the material world, the reimagining of the elite self as a god of this realm and the quest for immortality. These things are, in fact, real people who want to deny them should stop pretending to care about other people. In reality, they have not cared enough to bother finding out whether the news was wrong. After all, people like them agreed that the news was right. We tell ourselves stories in order to live. Where have the stories we've accepted brought us? It's worth asking. Worshippers of the authoritative source spend a great deal of time and energy defending and often arguing for all of the evils listed and why they might not be that bad in this case. The broader truth community wants to prosecute everyone involved in inflicting such evils upon society. The community wants justice under the law. Whether at Q on truth social is the Q is ultimately irrelevant. If at Q serves the same purpose Q served, it will be useful. If it is consistently useful, people will consistently pay attention to it. The truth is that both at Q and Q are now unnecessary because the truth community is controlling the information stream successfully without additional guidance. The presence or absence of Q or at Q will be a matter of belief. The result of Q intended or not, now stands on its own. It is clear why the news doesn't want anyone to know this and why they don't want to announce the presence of at Q on truth social. The boogeyman is disappearing. The news can't risk letting people discover reality for themselves. Perhaps judgment on Q should be left to the eye of the beholder. No one in the community is trying to rewire your brain. They'd just like you to acknowledge that you're defending Nazis and pedophilia solely because the news told you to, and they'd like you to stop it immediately. In an intelligent and thoughtful society, people would be concerned about people begging for nuclear war and the imprisonment of their fellow citizens because of something they saw on the news, something they knew nothing else about and did not try to understand. They and people like them cheer on great evils when they know the other side will suffer. They do this because they're worried about being banished from the party of false decorum. They do it because they cannot risk the wrath of people like them and people better than them. They do it because they can't admit they've been brainwashed. People like them are victims of a PSYOP and do not have any awareness of what they're doing or the harm it's causing. They continue to do what the authoritative source tells them to do. They do it without knowledge or remorse. This is cause for great concern. Instead, the news tells us to worry about QAnon. This has been a reading of a story about reality which was initially published on April 16th, 2022. It was part seven in a series I wrote called Who is at Q? You can read the prior six installments on Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me, and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.